We're going to look again uh, this week talking about um, living the miracle life. And uh, I want to start with Ephesians chapter 2, verses uh, 4 through 10. And then we'll go to Galatians chapter 3, uh, verse 13 and 14. Ephesians chapter 2, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then verse 20 through 22, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Uh, And then we know in Galatians chapter 3, uh, verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the law, being made a curse for us, for is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And then remember Jesus said, uh, wait for the promise of the Father. So, you know, uh, Jesus is alive and we're so thankful, but are we so thankful uh, just for Jesus' sake? Like the re- my spirit turns flips when you think of Jesus being alive. That's because not what he did, he did for all mankind. Like what Adam did, he did as our representative for all mankind. Unfortunately, he sinned and he messed up. But what Jesus did, we learn in Romans chapter 5, he did just like Adam did for all mankind to get us back. Uh, so that as many as received him to those he gave the right uh, to be the children of God. So we see in Ephesians chapter 2 and then, uh, of course, in Galatians as well and then in John uh, uh, that we are built together, verse 22, for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So we talked about God's dream, you know, in the garden. He, he always wanted to get that back. The reason he created us was for fellowship. He wanted to be with people. And so uh, Adam and Eve kind of messed that up. And uh, we lost the fellowship. That fellowship was broken. And then it became like, um, you know, a little kid comes to you and they took a cookie and ate it. They're not supposed to eat. Like they come with hesitation and uh, like, uh, I don't really want to be here you know, kind of uncomfortable, and you as a parent might say, what did you do? Did you do something? Where are you at? Or like, not to get too graphic, but uh, you know, we're hopefully towards the end of potty training, but when they're doing like number two, they're like hiding, and you're like, what are you doing? Nothing, nothing. And uh, you kind of realize that they know that they're not supposed to be doing that. Uh, They're supposed to do it where they're taught to do it. And uh, we uh, have been redeemed from that. That's why Christ came, because God wanted to be close with you and close with me. He wanted an intimate relationship. And um, really, the only way that we can live a successful life and be close to God is to live our life in Christ. And the way you get in Christ is that you get born again. 
that you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Um, you know, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Um, you know, because Nicodemus said, you know, how can you see the kingdom of heaven? He said, well, you have to be born again. So you must be born again, and then you're in Christ. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I don't do a lot of, uh, necessarily a lot of secular research on secular things, but uh, th this weekend I was looking at some stuff, and it's kind of amazing. Uh, you start to realize... Um, identification is a huge thing for everybody. And people identify all the time. Uh, we all do it, whether we're conscious or unconscious of doing it, we kind of do it. And, you know, the generations that are in school right now uh, are really challenged because, um, you know, really the devil's influencing a lot of the media and uh, using a lot of the technology for his means. And uh, kids are encouraged to identify with like, and adults too really, but we're encouraged to identify with almost anything but Jesus Christ. And just to say, well, you know, if it feels good, that's what you should do, or, you know, do what's good for you. It's, it's kind of very self-centered and uh, uh, narcissistic, narcissistic. And so, you realize how important it is for us to identify with Jesus Christ. And there's like 130, 134, depending on how you, uh, how you read them, in Christ's scriptures in the New Testament. And one of the best things we could ever do is to start um, or continue, if you already have been, uh, reading those, letting them sink in, confessing them, saying, this is who I am and this is what I have. So the last few weeks, we have done a, a couple scriptures. I'm going to do the same ones again today. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.17, I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Okay? I'm going to say 3, 2, 1, and we'll say it together. 3, 2, 1. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. And that's 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man be in Christ, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Uh, he's a new creature. So... How do we identify with that? Well, you may have like old ways or old things that, that uh, pop up because like, uh, you know, your flesh is still the same flesh when you're born again. You're still living in the same body. Your flesh still has its cravings and desires, you could say, uh, things that it wants to do. And um, I, I want to read something I was looking at uh, this morning just real quick. It's in uh, Isaiah chapter 26. There's so much good in this chapter, it's hard just to stick to the one, but we'll go to verse 13. O Lord our God, other masters besides you have ruled over us, but we will acknowledge and mention your name only. This is an amplified translation. Verse 14, they, the former tyrant masters, are dead. They shall not live and reappear. They are powerless ghosts, and they shall not rise and come back. Therefore you have visited and made an end of them and caused every memory of them, every trace, their supremacy, to perish. And I really like that. They are powerless ghosts. So, you know, like as a kid, you might have been afraid of ghosts and those type of things. And, um, but it says that these memories, these former ways, become powerless ghosts. So uh, you may... Uh, be in fear with them. You may see them, sense them, but they're really powerless ghosts. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The devil's going to try to get you to identify 
with anything but Jesus Christ. And so he's going to try to bring these powerless ghosts back. I like how Brother Hagin said it, you know, well, devil, you can bring a picture of that, but uh, that doesn't exist anymore. Sure, there's a picture. I see that picture, but that no longer exists because I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. And if you're already a Christian and then you messed up, then First uh, John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And you get to a point where you either like believe the Bible or you don't. I think in um, today, modern American society, it's almost easier to get to that point than what it has been in the past because so uh, darkness is getting so much darker and the lights, uh, you know, seeming so much brighter because the, the darkness is getting darker. And you kind of have to make a choice, like, am I going to believe this or am I not going to believe this? Am I going to do this or am I not going to do this? And it's kind of where the rubber meets the road. And that's what the underlying theme we've been talking about uh, for the last several weeks is Christianity is real and it's a real life. And there is actually life that comes from God that you receive when you receive Jesus Christ that should affect us. And, uh, you know, other religions are just that. They're other religions. There's no real life to them. Christianity is the only religion that the head of the religion, so to speak, comes to live inside of you. That doesn't happen with any other religion. Christ comes to live inside of us, and we actually get his nature. So it's, it's not like um, you've got somebody like me. I'm up here uh, preaching and saying, like, you know, this is what you should do. You should be this, 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 this. And I'm kind of like, you know, you'll never achieve to the level that I have achieved. I really like, actually, told a side note. I like uh, William Barclay talking about uh, pastors that the pastor is just one of the congregation from among the congregation um, called to lead. So like, I'm just one of the congregation called to lead. And I have the same uh, personal uh, struggles, trials, challenges that anybody else has in my personal life. I just have an anointing to pastor on top of that, but my personal life is like exactly the same, right? Um, So the same thing with Christianity is that Jesus Christ came and he showed us what it could be like for a man anointed of God that is a new creature, that's brand new. And uh, so, uh, I mean, we could go through a ton of scriptures. This isn't my main subject today, but the Lord decided he wanted to have us as sons and daughters, not as servants. I've brought you close. And then even I've called you friends. So, because you don't, like, tell a servant, like, okay, like, we're going to do this, this is what's going to happen, da, 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 but you tell a friend that. You're close with a friend. So the Lord wanted to be close with us and wanted to be really intimate with us, uh, just like it was originally in the garden. So Christianity is very different in that aspect because so many of the other religions, like you're doing penance to the God or you're, you know, uh, sacrificing for the God and doing all this type of things and Really, we're taught to not do that. We're to offer our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. That's our reasonable act of service or worship, one translation says. Um, But in no way does our sacrifice pay for our sins. And we learn actually in Galatians when we start doing that, then we are actually creating our own righteousness, our own way to God. And no man can be redeemed that way. No man can be set free that way. That's... That's why Christ had to come. 
because they were trying to, by the law, as a, like a schoolmaster to teach us, to lead us and everything, and it still couldn't happen. Because if you did everything right, but you messed up in one point, the Bible says you're guilty of everything. So it's kind of like, you ever heard somebody say, you know, I can't do this whole Christian thing, so I'm just going to have fun sinning. Well, they're, they're approaching it the wrong way, right? So it's more an aspect of like, okay, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do this, I can't do that, rather than, man, I've got this um, inside of me, the Spirit of God that's leading me, guiding me, directing me. Uh, we talked you know, a few weeks ago about the example of um, sinning and kind of missing the mark, like bow and arrow. And so you've got the Spirit of God that, you know, points you in the right direction. It says, oh, no, you kind of messed up. Don't do that. Just do this. Do this. Uh, the Spirit of God um, will lead you to God, will not condemn you. The reason people are condemned is the devil condemns and your own spirit will condemn you. But the Spirit of God will never condemn you. Convicts the world of sin, but he does not uh, condemn uh, the believer. So he made us alive together with Christ and then uh, made us, uh, we're built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit so that um, God could come and dwell in us and live in us. And that was the whole purpose and the whole reason that Christ came. So we talked the, the first week about Jesus being our model and he's how we see God. Because remember, like in the wilderness, you know, the children of Israel coming, and the Lord wanted to speak to them, and they're like, no, 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 Moses, please, please, you just go up and talk to God. Um, we're kind of scared of God. He really scares us, so we'll just stay down here, and you go talk to him. And um, so God's up there in heaven, and having this deep love for mankind that he's created, wanting to be close to us, and mankind is like, yeah, but you kind of scare me. So he sent Jesus Christ Jesus is God in the flesh. So we could see what God would look like if he was one of us. How would he act if he was one of us? What would he do if he was one of us? What would he say if he was one of us? That's Jesus. So Jesus came to show us um, God. He's how we see God and to give us an example. We looked at the example of Jesus Christ. And still, uh, we should constantly look at the example of Jesus Christ. You can look at other people that may inspire you, that you learn from, but your ultimate example, your main like litmus test should be Jesus Christ because it's not wise to compare yourselves among yourselves. And then uh, uh, Jesus Christ was the only man that was perfect. So other men or women of God are wonderful people, but they're not perfect. So he's the example. Um, he's how we see God. And then number two, um, what kind of impact he had on us. And that's how we see us. It's the inspiration. He inspired us. So um, let's turn to Acts chapter 1, verses uh, you know, 1 through 4. Acts 1, 1 through 4. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And that's what we talked about you know, the first couple weeks. And we talked about it again last week a little bit, all that Jesus began to do. So we realize if Jesus began to do something, that was what he's talking about, the former letter I wrote, what he began to do, that's uh, the gospel of Luke. And he's like, so of everything else that Jesus started to do. And then in Luke, we see like, then he went up to heaven, you know, at the end of Luke, he talks about uh, going up into heaven. So if Jesus began to do it, I mean, that statement right there, inspired by the Spirit of God, tells you like, 
Well, then, is he like continuing to do it now, or what is he doing? Talk about the present-day ministry of Jesus. He's sitting at the right hand of God, and we're seated with him in heavenly places. Jesus began something that we are to continue. He came and did it and showed us how to do it, and he's like, okay, I'm turning it over to you now. It's kind of like, uh, you know, the mother bird with, with the baby birds, and like, it's time to fly now. It's time to fly now. And, the, you know, the baby birds are kind of like, eh, I'm not really sure about that. She's like, no, I'm sure. This is what it is. And I think the disciples probably felt like that because Jesus said, you know, Peter, like most bold guy, and he like denied the Lord three times, not once, but three times. And, you know, I'm sure felt like a total failure. Like we all have at different times. Like, oh, I, I messed up so bad. I can't do this. But Jesus said, what did he say? Go, wait till you be endued with power from on high. And then you'll be witnesses to me. So, um, you know, they're sitting there waiting. Okay, this is what Jesus said. You know, power from on high is going to come. Thinking, I sure need this because I'm kind of scared. You know, and uh, he had breathed on them and said, receive the spirit, and they were born again uh, prior to that, but then they had to wait till they be endued with power from on high to be witnesses. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting that uh, somebody says, this is how it's going to be, this is what's going to happen, and then you're kind of like, uh, okay, you've said this so many things, and obviously his words probably carried a lot of weight because he had just risen from the dead. And they're like, whoa. Uh, so they're like, okay, we're, we're going to do this. And little did they know what was going to happen. Because we, you know, one of our challenges sometimes is we have the whole Bible, which is awesome that we have the whole Bible. But to put ourselves where they were at, like we know the end. They didn't know that. They didn't comprehend like God is going to come live on the inside of me. Just like he lived on the inside of Jesus. And God's going to anoint me just like he anointed Jesus. So all that Jesus began to do and to teach. So he started something uh, and then were to finish it. Verse 2, until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments. And that's where we're at today. um, That he gave commandments. So our big question for today is, what brings out God's best in someone? What could bring out God's best in you or you or you or you or me? What brings out God's best? Because we want God's best. And God's best would be like amazing because it's beyond anything that you or I could come up with or that we could think. So what brings out God's best? And that is discovering that the plan of God depends on you and depends on me. Depends on us. So God is up there, up in heaven, and he's got like amazing plans for you, amazing plans for me, amazing plans for mankind. But really, he can't make them happen. Even though he's all-powerful, he's bound himself, the Bible says, to his word. And also, God put authority in the earth. And he can't usurp or take away the authority that he gave to the devil. He didn't give it directly to the devil. Remember uh, Genesis chapter One, God made man and said, take dominion, have dominion. Rule over all of this. I created all of this for you. Now you rule it. Well, by Adam um, submitting to or coming under what the devil said and Eve doing the same thing, uh, they gave that authority in the earth to the devil. That's why we learn in in the epistles that Satan is the god of this world. So um, because that authority was given 
over to the devil by mankind, God can't just do anything he wants to do. That's why Jesus had to come as a man and do what he did and show us how to do it. Because Jesus was only one man. So Jesus dominated the power of the devil as a man anointed by the Spirit of God. So you or I will dominate the power of the devil as a man or woman anointed of the Spirit of God. Same way. Just like he did, we'll do it. And um, he came speaking of the things of God, so we're supposed to come speaking the things of God. He came to show a new way to God, so we're supposed to come show a new way to God. He came to seek and save the lost, so we are to come to seek and save the lost. Same thing. Same mission, same commission. Uh, I love Patsy Caminetti's um, ministry uh, vision is um, our mission is his commission. His commission's our mission. That's pretty simple. <laughs> like whatever he said, like he commissioned us, so that's what we're going to do. So what brings out the best in you or me or someone else is discovering that God's plan depends on us and God has these great plans that he can't make happen without us. He needs us. And so, you know, while we're talking and studying and learning this, you realize every time you take information, you're making a decision. I'm making a decision. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. I think that's not right. And you might think, well, that's Pastor Tim up there. He's talking, so yeah. He's a man. He's infallible. You know that's not true. No, of course I am. <laughs> but we make a decision when we read the Word of God. Oh, yeah. Mostly like, yeah, I agree with that, or I don't agree with that. And, you know, if you've been trained right, you're kind of like, okay, if I don't agree, I'm going to like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this out, you know, and uh, I'm going to make myself agree with it. I'm going to learn to agree with it. But really, we make decisions all the time based on um, things that we're taught and things that we learn and what level of value, level of importance we're going to put on it and what we're not. So I want to ask some questions. Uh, question number one is, is uh, the miraculous ministry of Christ, his miracle ministry, does it apply today? You know, there was a, a physician over in uh, Europe that... Uh, told T.L. Osborne, you know, the days of miracles has passed because modern medicine now, like, we don't need miracles. You don't need healing miracles because we have modern medicine. And yet there's more people in hospitals and more people sick. And thank God for modern medicine because there's, there are uh, a lot of people that are alive that would not have been had it not been for modern medicine. But modern medicine, um, you know, has an end. There's an end to modern medicine, but uh, there's no end to God or the healing power of God or what Christ has accomplished for us. Uh, number two, do you have a call from God? Do you have a call from God? Again, like this is like, I want you to work while we're doing this series. So think, ponder. Number three, how do you know you have a call from God? Or how do you know that you don't have a call from God? You know, uh, I'm going to quote Pastor Dwayne, but he uh, got it from someone else, and I don't know who it is. But, you know, it's basically like Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. 
And a lot of times people assume that they have a red light, but really you have a green light. Jesus said, go. And so we're like supposed to go, not just supposed to wait and figure out what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go. That's one side of it. The other, I mean, you got to pray and seek God and follow God. But while you're doing that, you really should put your hand to the plow and be doing something. And, uh, okay, question number four. If you don't have a call, why don't you have a call? Because really every one of us has a call from God. We all have a ministry. Um, how do you bring out God's best? You understand that he has a plan and the plan depends on you, depends on me. Um, number five, do some Christians not have a ministry? Is it only like for me or people that are in the pulpit? Or does everybody have a ministry? So is Christ's miracle ministry apply in today's world? Uh, do we have a call from God? And how do you know you have one or how do you know you don't have one? And if you don't know, why don't you have a call if you don't know that you have one? And do some Christians not have a ministry? The whole point of those questions is that we each have a ministry according to Jesus. I have commissioned you. Go into all the world. And, you know, we could go back and read these. But you see, like, he gave each of us, uh, each member of the body of Christ, he gave authority. Uh, let's look at Luke chapter 24, verse 46. Thus it's written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But wait in the city of Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. And then, of course, we know like Mark chapter 16 and Matthew 28. But I'm going to go ahead and read them because I like them. Mark chapter 16. I'll start with verse 15. And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believes not will be damned. And these signs will follow uh, them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. Uh, they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And then uh, Matthew chapter 28. Verse 18, And Jesus came and spoke to them and said, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. So Jesus commissioned us. He said, I've been given all power, so I have all power. Like I'm in charge. I have all power, all authority. And so, you know, being an American society, you think like, okay, you go into the president's office, he's like, you know what, I've been elected president, so I would like you to be the head of, you know, like we said a few weeks ago, my cyber war czar, which is the guy that takes care of all this cyber warfare, everybody's hacking into everything, that we'd have somebody that would like actually do that, actually head it up. And so I'm in charge, this is what I'm going to hire you to do, Keith. So if I'm elected president and I say that and he accepts it, boom. Now he has my authority that I have to do that. 
So he can carry that out. And that authority comes with a lot of resources, um, financial resources, personnel resources, offices, space, all of that. So Jesus said, I've been given all authority. Okay, now I want you to go do this. So again, I'm in charge. This is what, uh, this is what we're going to do. So there's a saying, you know, like, uh, how many of you heard the saying that, uh, you know, if you don't do what you're called to do, God will raise up someone else to do it and take care of it. Where is that in the Bible? Right? So uh, many times we uh, kind of have a scapegoat to get out of responsibility and say like, well, if I don't do it, somebody else will do it. If I don't talk to that person, somebody else will talk to them. Well, maybe, maybe in some cases that's true, but certainly uh, if God had an assignment for you and a call on your life and you don't fulfill it, it's not going to get fulfilled the way you're supposed to do it. You know, there's, there's, like we talk about, there's multiple sides to every mountain, so some people get like, oh, I am God's gift to the world, and if I don't do this, the whole kingdom of God will shatter. Uh, but the other side uh, has to be addressed as well, which is, God has a plan for each individual, and he has people that each of us are supposed to reach, and people and things that each of us are supposed to do. And you realize, like, man, over the last three weeks, I just keep, you know, you study and things keep coming back to you. I, I keep realizing more and more than I've ever seen how important your words are, that uh, your words uh, are seeds, that you can plant. And so, um, you know, like I was talking about looking at some of the social media stuff that where the devil's using people to try and influence people. They plant a lot of seeds, like negative seeds. Like, you know, you might, you might feel like one day like you like someone of your same sex. Well, that must mean that you're gay or homosexual. Like that's just a little seed right? So you can seed people with the word of God. And you can seed people with what God says. And the cool thing about the seeds that come from God is they're a life-giving. A lot of those other seeds, they actually are sapping and they take life out of you. But uh, realize that the words of God are powerful. So powerful that Everything, the fact that I'm standing on the floor and that I'm not floating up, that there is gravity, that there are materials, minerals in the earth that allowed mankind to build what we're standing on, is because of God's words. God said, let there be, and there was. Words are God's energy. So if we speak God's words, we're using his energy, his life. And... Um, you know, the Bible tells us that life and death are in the power of the tongue. You can speak words of life or you can speak words of death. There is he that, um, uh, how's that scripture go? You can speak and you can speak as the piercings of a sword or your, the tongue of the wise brings health. So it's amazing the power of our words and that your words are seeds, my words are seeds. So what brings out God's best? Understand that God has a plan and his plan depends on us. 
And the way that Jesus accomplished what he accomplished was the deeds that he did and the words that he spoke. Nobody ever spoke like him. He spoke like one with authority. And if he gave us authority, then we can speak like one with authority. So I have come um, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. We can say that. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So how do we do that? We have to act in faith and believe that the Bible's true. I went to the evangelism, a little, I don't know what it's called, a conference, but a little meeting, and they said something that was such a good reminder that, you know, when you're going to tell somebody about Jesus, Jesus said that, look, look, lift up your eyes. Like, stop looking down here. Stop looking at the here now. Stop here. Lift up your eyes and look and see. The fields are already white to harvest. They're already ready. That was like, in our time, that was like over 2,000 years ago. So when you go to talk to somebody about Jesus Christ, what should you be expecting? Man, they're ripe. They're ready. They want me to talk to them. They actually want to, well, they might not want you to talk to them, but they want to receive Jesus Christ in their hearts. They, they want, there's that desire. It's already there. So if you approach them like, hey, I don't know, but maybe uh, with hesitation, uh, in your heart, you're not really acting in faith, and you could cause hesitation on their part. Like, well, are you really sure that this is like a good thing? You seem kind of like nervous about it. But if you just believe what Jesus said, that they're already ripe unto harvest, go out into all the world, preach the gospel, and just say, you know what? Here's what happened to me. You know, I had a rough time. I went through things, same temptations. Actually, I messed up here, did this, that, whatever. But man, I never was fully satisfied till I knew Jesus Christ. My life, you know, there's a lot of other things. There's lots of things that I've, you know, done or tried or whatever your personal testimony is. But for Jesus, my life wouldn't be what it is today. And I have peace. Like, like you can't imagine. You know, I mean, people, people do a lot of things. <clears throat> not, not, uh, not that all the recreational things or any of them are bad in themselves. They're not. It's good. You need to, like, be refreshed and those type of things. But, uh, you know, I, was, I read an article this week about some of the people in the theater in Louisiana, <clears throat> and they're like, we were just trying to get away, get a break from everything that's going on in life and everything like that, and people do that. You go to a movie and kind of like, okay, put everything to the side, and um, then some people will uh, lose themselves in alcohol, and I want to be careful so that everybody understands. I'm not criticizing like going to the movies or anything like that. But sometimes we can let things in our life take the place that God should take. And if we're consistently like going to the internet to escape your normal life or I don't know what it would be, Facebook maybe would be a good one for some people where you're just like doing all this social stuff and you're kind of trying to escape reality <clears throat> or your, your challenges and stuff, we should come up a little higher and come to Jesus because uh, he's there to meet our needs and um, you know Facebook won't always meet your needs <laughs> it can pay for likes or something like that uh, to get your needs met but um, we have to realize that without us God can't do what he was going to do and you know I was in the military so I appreciate the structure of authority and I just think it's so amazing that God trusts us so much 
that he's like, I don't have a plan B. Mankind is my only plan. And I chose you to reach you. That's, that's the way I set it up. So if we don't do it, nobody will do it. We have to do it. Uh, but the cool thing is that we get to do it just like Jesus with the same Holy Spirit, with the same anointing, with the same relationship with God uh, as what Jesus had. And he's, a, he's obviously a, a really great example for us to follow. So I'm going to end there, and we'll pick up with that next week. And um, the biggest thing to remember is that um, God believes in you, and he believes in me. A lot of times we like to say, like, I believe Jesus is alive. You know, we did the, like, the, whatever, is that called the creed, the song? Like the Apostles' Creed song? So we did that song, and it's us confessing. And we need to do that. We need to identify with that. But what's amazing is um, more amazing than that we believe in God and that we trust in God and that we love God is that God believes in us and trusts us and loves us. And that's something to really like ponder and meditate on and let sink in. Like for my head, it's kind of like, whoa. If you really think of the significance of it, and you're like, can that be true? Is that like really true? That I'm that significant in God's plan? Uh, because most of your life, uh, the influences, especially that the world will try to bring to say like, no, you're not significant, you're insignificant, you don't matter. You don't make a difference. Well, you really, really do. And um, if you believe that and act on it, your impact will be so much greater. It's amazing the difference that one person can make. Does anybody know Mother Teresa? One person. Think about that. She started out and she had two pennies, two cents. And uh, people told her, uh, you can't reach the poor, you know, you don't have anything. And she said, with God and these two pennies, I can do anything. And so, uh, you know, I love that saying. So I think a lot of times if I feel like, man, I don't have what I need to do all this. I'm like, with God and these two pennies, I can do anything. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've chosen to um, use us. Father, we're really amazed by that. We just ask that you would um, open our eyes to that more fully, that you'd reveal more to us concerning uh, your trust in us and the authority that you've given us. Father, we thank you that we can speak your words in faith and watch you work, watch you uh, change lives and change bodies and change financial situations. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over every um, family that's here, over every individual and those listening. Father, we thank you that you are good and that your mercy endures forever. Father, we just pray that uh, for a great awakening in your body, in the body of Christ, that as we continue to worship you and to follow you, Father, that... Um, Jesus himself would be glorified in what we say and what we do and that his name would be glorified and lifted up and that your word would be glorified and lifted up for all the world to see, Father, the life that you have for each and every one of us and the love that you have. We thank you for this day in Jesus' name. Amen.